The Victorians are weird. Whomever took my chickens better bring them back or else. Hashtag chicken run. The St. Catherine's chicken lady. Chicken thieves. Chicken thieves have again commenced operations on Welland Avenue, and on Saturday night, 11 game fowls were taken from two well-known breeders. The wrath of the owners knew no bounds when they found their pets had gone, and a coat of tar and feathers awaits the thieves if they can be caught. Evening Star, August 3rd, 1891. The Victorians are weird, but are we any different? Welcome to Museum Chat Live, a fairly regular podcast series brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre. We're bringing you all things to do with St. Catharines, our history, and what's going on at our museum. Our community is filled with diverse stories, and we recognize that our story begins with the Indigenous peoples of this land. We acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on lands that have been inhabited by Indigenous peoples for millennia and we would like to honor the centuries of indigenous peoples who walked on Turtle Island before us. Welcome to the second episode of a special three-part mini-series examining the museum's exhibit, Victorian Tweets, and the people who inspired it, the Victorians. The series is hosted by me, Adrian Petrie, Visitor Services Coordinator at the St. Catharines Museum. Victorian Tweets juxtaposes daily Victorian life found in newspapers, diaries, letters, and ephemera against the modern Twitterverse. The archival documents found in the exhibit and included here in our special podcast series are interesting, quirky, mundane, snappy, rude, and pointless, just like Twitter. As modern, progressive people of the 21st century, we enjoy a certain distance from the romanticized and contradictory Victorian period. But are we really that different from our Victorian ancestors? On this second episode of the special podcast series, we'll explore our chronological identity. Wait, what? Our chronological identity? What do you mean by that? Well, I'll tell you, after a message about some of our upcoming programs. Collecting, researching, and preserving your family history is challenging work. As museum professionals, we get it. What do you do with those old photographs, your mother's silverware, or your wedding gown? How do you record the stories that have been in your family forever before it's too late? The St. Catharines Museum wants to help you with these questions. We're offering a two-day virtual workshop to help you figure out how to organize and care for the information and materials in your own family collections. Join us remotely on Saturdays, October 24th and November 7th from 9am to 3pm. From a screen and into the comfort of your home, St. Catharines Museum staff will guide you through how to organize and keep track of your family records and photographs, how to care for and store family heirlooms and special collectibles, and how to write and record your family story. Registration is $50 per person and spots are limited. Register today by calling the museum at 905-984-8880 or reach out by email museum at stcatherines.ca.
A common argument in the political science world is that, as Canadians, we haven't created our own identity. We merely compare ourselves to our American neighbors and find our identity in ways in which we aren't American. Hockey versus baseball, Parliament versus Congress, Thanksgiving in October versus Thanksgiving in November. I've never really agreed with that assessment of Canadian identity, mainly because identity is the least black and white concept. However, I concede that identity is inherently comparative. Identity consists of qualities, beliefs, personalities, and expressions that make up a group or individual, and that make a group or individual different from other groups or individuals. When we consider our identity chronologically or historically, we postmodernists who have the benefit of looking backwards through time look back and say, wow, the folks from such and such a time were so backwards and so contradictory. We separate ourselves from the values of the past because they no longer match our modern views. We postmodernist Elizabethans are proudly evolved from the Victorians and have cast aside associations with the ideals of their time, both in progress forward, but also in rejection of the past. Unfortunately, for us proud postmodernists, it seems that human nature evolves much more slowly than we'd like. This idea that we are no longer Victorian and therefore completely separated from their values simply because we're postmodernists and no longer live in their time does not stand. Our history and our chronological identity is mixed and tied to a variety of contributing factors. Some Victorian elements of our society have been eliminated. Universal suffrage eliminated the Victorian idea of male landowner only suffrage. And other Victorian elements persist in celebrations and traditions, like at Christmas time. Understanding our own identity might make it easier to swallow the fact that we really aren't as different from our Victorian ancestors as we'd like to believe. In my next segment, I'll talk a bit about the modern tweets that I wrote for some of the sources, and how I use tweets in the Victorian Tweets exhibit to make us rethink our position and challenge our postmodern belief that we've evolved past the 19th century and therefore are entirely separated from our Victorian ancestors. But first, a message about some of our upcoming programs. Hi everyone, it's Adrian here at the museum. We are so excited to welcome you back to the virtual museum lecture series presented by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre this fall. We had an incredibly fun and successful spring series featuring stories of horses, shipyards, memorials, canal builders, and freedom seekers. Now we're back after a little summer break with new and exciting historical adventures to fill your Tuesday evenings. Join us this fall and mark your calendars for a great lineup of local history lectures you can enjoy from the comfort of your home. September is all about our annual guided spirit walks at Victoria Lawn Cemetery. We'll have historian Adam Montgomery kick off the series on September 15th with a lecture about cemeteries and monuments with a focus on Victoria Lawn Cemetery. Then, I'll be here on September 29th with a special behind-the-scenes look at our virtual presentation of the annual tours through Victoria Lawn, featuring stories and memories from the cast and crew of our guided spirit walks. October is just as exciting and will feature another special guest, Natasha Henry, historian and president of the Ontario Black History Society. 
Natasha will be giving a talk on the history of Ontario's racially segregated schools on October 13th. On October 27th, I'll be back to discuss the somewhat lost and mostly forgotten history of the Third Welland Canal. On November 10th, we'll present our emotional and touching First World War series, Stories from the Front, with stories from our collection about experiences at home and at the front from St. Catharines. On November 24th, I'll be joined by our public programmer, Sarah Nixon, to discuss a report commissioned by the United States Congress Freedmen's Inquiry Commission, written by Samuel Gridley Howe in 1863 on the condition of freedom seekers in Canada. Local interviews with both freedom seekers and recognizable names of the city's established businessmen opens up new histories we aren't used to hearing. And finally, on December 8th, our curator Kathleen Powell will present a talk on local fashion and our new exhibit, Marking Time, which features important moments of life and the textiles that go with them. Join us this fall and mark your calendars for an exciting virtual museum lecture series. Register by donation by calling the museum at 905-984-8880 or by emailing the museum at museum at Whomever took my chickens better bring them back or else. Hashtag chicken run. Chicken thieves. Chicken thieves have again commenced operation on the Welland Avenue and on Saturday night, 11 game fowls were taken from two well-known breeders. The wrath of the owners knew no bounds when they found their pets gone and a coat of tar and feathers awaits the thieves if they can be caught. Evening Star, August 3rd, 1891. When I read this entry in the Evening Star from 1891, I was immediately reminded of the Toronto Chicken Lady story from a few years ago. She wanted to remain anonymous in her support of backyard chicken coops as Toronto debated the issue. Sometimes a situation becomes so ridiculous that it catches your imagination. And I think this is certainly one of those cases where I can imagine this poor person writing to the newspaper or talking to a reporter about the theft and the only thing separating this person from becoming the next YouTube remix of Hide Your Kids, Hide Your Wife is the fact that she's stuck in 1891. I mean, the description of the wrath of the owners. You can just see them stirring a steaming pot of tar, ready for when the thieves come back for the next round of chickens. When it came to writing the tweet, I drew inspiration from the Toronto chicken lady, who at the time of her news story was on the radio and in the news a few times, with equal parts wrath regarding her own situation. I thought the Yates Street District was supposed to be a nice place to live. When will the mayor and council take action to remedy this problem? The Yates Street Nuisance to the editor of the journal. Sir, noticing that my name was prominently brought forward in your paper of yesterday relative to a drain leading from the Welland House to the canal and stating that it had become a nuisance to me and, as would be inferred from your remarks, to me only. I beg to say that the complaint was made in writing to Dr. Comfort, chairman of the Board of Health, not only by myself, but by those residing on Yates Street, and by Mr. J.P. Merritt himself. It may not be out of place to give the history of this drain and the manner of its construction. Some 12 or 14 years ago, Thomas Rodman Merritt, Esquire, who then owned the Welland House, had the drain constructed for the purpose of getting rid of the mineral water from the bathhouse, 
but it has since been used for the general purposes of the Welland House. The drain was substantially constructed of drain pipes until it reached the brow of the hill on Mr. J.P. Merritt's property. It was then taken down through his property to the canal in a small wooden box drain. This has naturally rotted away, and the drainage comes out on the hillside, creating a most dangerous stench, endangering the lives of those living in the neighborhood and being, in the opinion of our medical men, the cause of the serious illness on several living in this part of the city. Who the responsible parties are, I do not pretend to say, but that a most dangerous nuisance exists is patent to the noises of every passerby, and immediate steps should be taken by authorities to remove it. Very truly, James Taylor, St. Catharines, August 3rd, 1878. Evening Journal, August 5th, 1878. I selected this particular article because it so well described the problem but also the urgency of dealing with a drainage pipe in this era. Doctors were only just beginning to link the cleanliness of water sources to diseases like cholera. I'm sure anyone working with important infrastructure has dealt with similar complaints, and in our modern social media-driven world, those complaints are often made out in the open, just like this newspaper letter to the editor. I'm sure with a bit of an update to the language of the letter, it could fit right in as a complaint made in 2020. Can I just send a word of thanks to my friends for their support during this difficult time between John and I? Hashtag true friends. Hashtag divorce. Notice. Notice is hereby given that Mary Ann Beattie of the Township of Glanford and the County of Wentworth in the province of Ontario, married woman, will apply to the Parliament of Canada at the next session thereof for a bill of divorce from her husband, John Beatty, of the City of Buffalo in the State of New York, formerly of the City of St. Catharines in said Ontario, Teamster on the grounds of adultery and desertion. Laser and Monk, solicitors for the applicant. Evening Journal, August 7th, 1890. I knew right away that I wanted to include this particular source in the exhibit because it seemed to be of such personal nature that I couldn't believe what I was reading. Unfortunately, divorce was not available in Ontario, and so individuals seeking a divorce had to apply to Parliament for a private bill of divorce all the way up until 1930, when Parliament passed the Divorce Act in brackets Ontario which then authorized divorces and annulments to be pursued in Ontario courts. But the public nature of such a personal issue is what's interesting to me. I don't think we would ever stand for such a procedure today. And our attitudes towards divorce today is just one of the ways we are no longer Victorian. Women no longer need to apply to Parliament for a divorce, let alone claim adultery to get a divorce, as Mary Ann Beattie had to. This system was a societal deterrent to keep other women from filing for divorce. If you don't want it published and publicly aired in the newspaper for everyone to see, don't do it. Then again, how many people share their relationship troubles on social media? We may not require divorce notices to be published today, but we sometimes air our personal grievances via the internet anyway. Heads up that the road to Port Dalhousie are a disaster today. Thanks to a Charlie for letting me leave my load of beets and potatoes at his place until I get them to, into port. Monday, April 11th, 1892. Fine day. 
loaded up a load of beets and potatoes, and headed for Port Luzi. The roads were very bad. Could not get there. Had to leave the load at Charlie's and come back home. John Birdie Diary, Monday, April 11th, 1892. Twitter and our modern lives are often full of the mundane. We might think daily life isn't good enough or noteworthy enough to think about or post on social media. But I bet you know someone who does post everything they do on Twitter. Kind of like their diary. No judgment here. John Birdie was dealing with muddy roads and the wagon likely got stuck. Who hasn't been stuck in a snowy or muddy ditch and has had to call for help or return home or bail at a friend's place or even call for help on Twitter? In this way, life hasn't changed much and local farmer John Birdie is the proof to the rule. I don't know about you, but the more I think about it, the more I convince myself that we're really not that different from the Victorians. I know our identity as postmodernists is complex, and I'm not saying nothing has changed, and we're all just a bunch of Victorians with Twitter. However, I think you'll agree that our identity isn't as separated as you might have felt it was at the beginning of this episode. Join us next time when we feature more tweets from the exhibit, and as we wrap up this three-part mini-series of Museum Chat Live, you'll finally get a straight answer out of me to our big question. Are we really that different from the Victorians? For now, send us your comments or ideas about modern tweets or other social media posts that could be categorized as Victorian. Are there any parallels? Reach out via facebook.com slash St. Museum and at SDC Museum on Twitter and Instagram. Our look back into the Victorian period doesn't end here. Victorian Tweets is on display now through March 2021 at the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre, open daily to the public by donation. If you can't make it in, check out the virtual exhibition found on our blog, stcatharinesmuseumblog.com. Special thanks to our tweet readers, staff members Sarah Nixon and Lauren Curtis, and volunteers Des Corin, Kathy LeBlanc, and Brenda Schultz. Museum Chat Live is brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Centre and the City of St. Catharines.